You are listening to the Massive Report Podcast. Oh, Mo. Welcome to the Mass Report Podcast, the first of the 2024 regular season. We will get to Mo Farsi's injury. Uh, teaser, we don't know a hell of a lot, but we'll speculate. That's what we do here in the Mass Report Podcast. Brett is here. Murph is here. Bart is here. Sam is on the controls and is welcome, of course, to weigh in at any time you see fit. Or just unplug the thing and go home if we get out of line. My name is Brian. Thank you so much for being here. First, Bart. Crew one, Cincinnati nil in the TIFO game. Oh, the TIFO for... Crew 3, Cincinnati crew three, nil, in my right. opinion. 3-0. All right. They don't, get a, they don't get a goal for that finger painting that they displayed well, it, last night. It fits right in with the jersey aesthetic. Just, yeah. you know, paint your own, paint your own thing and bring it to the, bring it to the, the, to the soccer stadium. Well, I, I saw, um, you know, some uh, uh, reporter, you know, laundering the, the PR line. Um, from the Cincy front office about this. And it's like, apparently, you know, it's a thing that was not stolen from Prezi Spices, uh, but instead, uh, uh, like, a a local artist came up with the design. Uh, To which I say, that's kind of how Tifa works. That's not an excuse. (laughs) Yes, guess what? Local artists came up with three Tifo designs for the crew. Little, and little Billy, like, little Billy and little had, Susie from the third grade came I mean, up with... The, the thing is, it's like you had an entire off-season. To celebrate. Entire, yeah, yeah. To celebrate your championship. And that's the thing. I think they, that's the thing. They were trying to... They spent too much time trying to convince people that their plate was a championship... And instead of coming up with an idea for TIFO, and so uh, what do we do? Uh, well, you know, the guy who lost us the Eastern Conference final said a nice thing about our city once, so let's uh, put that on there and then, yeah, have the kids come up with something. Wait, real quick. What was the TIFO? I watched the game, but I did not see I it. Don't know I don't assume other was. people. It, what, do you know what it was? It's that Cincy, I love, Cincy, I love, I love the city the, or I love the, the something the like that. Something like that. Family, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, the city or our family. It, it was a blue, uh, a blotchy Spanish, blue, uh, it was a blotchy blue background yeah. with a big heart in orange and writing in orange in Spanish. The only right. thing was missing it. was Mars shot button out one of her Marlboros. <laughs> In the middle of the Smoke heart. Him if you got him. Oh god! You See know? that I would love. I like. They need to give zombie Marge shot for hell is real. Like that would be incredible. Marge shot would hate everything about Major League Soccer. I know. That's all why the way still down. Be great. To the, all the way down to it's you know the, uh, the Germans, cultural, Germans cultural diversity. Oh, 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 I know. Germans <laughs> love soccer. Uh, I love the fo- and we'll get to the game here in a second, but. Uh, I love the Photoshop that somebody did that I saw on Twitter. The three spoons mm-hmm. in their TIFO was brilliant. Whoever wow. you are, hats off Dakota. to you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think I'm pretty sure All right, yeah. well, uh, uh, crew one, Atlanta nothing. I just want to put to bed real quick the speculating on Mo Farsi and the severity of his injury because we flat out don't know anything yet. They haven't said it looked bad. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have anything to add. Yeah, I mean, Wilfred was asked after the game and said it was an ankle that happened on the play. He didn't go into much more detail, at least from what I heard. Um, look, it, I mean, it was a fairly innocuous tackle, right? Like, yeah. you make them all the time. He just kind of went over on it wrong is yeah. what it looked like. Okay. And then getting up, he didn't put a ton of weight on it, which isn't a great sign, but also isn't the worst sign. We talked about this last week. If there's a guy outside of, like, Cucho that you can't lose because you don't have depth behind him, it's Mo Farsi. And mm. he had played a great game. You know, probably should have had a couple of assists. We'll get to why he didn't in a minute. <laughs> but, uh, you know, played, played, had some really nice runs, was really impressive in the first half, picking up where he left off. And this was my concern. We, you know, Bart, Brett, and I talked about it. If, if he got hurt and it took, what, 60 minutes? Okay, Max Arfston came in and he's fine, and you know I appreciate his efforts and, and what, but he's just not Mo Farsi, and you don't you didn't bring in somebody to you know be the backup to Mo Farsi with MLS experience or or something like that. So if this is going to be any sort of longer term thing, you know more than maybe a game or two, it'll be interesting to see how they replace him. 
All right, well, when we preview Minnesota, we'll look at how they're going to cover for this because we can only assume that he's not going to be match fit on Saturday against Minnesota. And we'll get into how great Minnesota looked the other night against Austin as well, which is kind of hilarious. Everything's sort of lining up except for the Mo injury. All right, uh, obviously the big surprise when the lineup was announced and the game started was Jason Russell Rowe for Matan. Uh, Matan is... Is not a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, the kind of heard through the grapevine during the week that he had picked up something uh, in during the Santa Barbara preseason, which would have been the second leg of their not in Columbus kind of time, and worked with uh, the staff during the week, kind of training by himself, which is something that we, you know. If you the you know the beat media is seen you know guys who pick something up usually work off to the side. Um, nothing too bad, uh, but not but not uh, say like ninety match fit, uh, ninety minutes match fit, which is usually the bare minimum kind of requirement to be able to start. Um, especially, excuse me, a game like that where there are options who are match fit. Match fit. So, um, yeah, you know, Jason comes into the game. And, and we were kind of talking before the potty pod started that I uh, figured, even, I, I immediately thought the lineup graphic was wrong on Apple TV, that, mm-hmm. that Jason would be through the middle and Kucha would kind of be floating left. Mm-hmm. That was not the case. Nope. Jason basically staying down the left side the whole time. Uh, and Kucha did his, you know, Kucha magic. Um, uh, so that was a little, I was a little surprised by that, uh, especially to me, a more natural swap would be to move Yao up into that left winger position and and then move multi o- over and then put a left center back in uh, in that spot. Or Will Sands. Uh, or that, too, who did not make the bench, mm-hmm. though I do. Th- there is some match fitness yeah, there rolling from in. what I've heard as well, um, that there's... Uh, slow rolling is a great way to kind of describe it. That they were kind of spoon feeding the the, the recovery process there. But um, yeah, that was a surprise, and and I think you kind of saw, uh, which you kind of Murph kind of alluded to earlier a minute ago. Not a winger, not a winger, not a winger, not a winger. Great player. I think it's there. We've seen flashes, especially through the middle of the park. It looks really good. Uh, but there's an issue with that opposite foot, that weak side foot receiving balls at speed. Mm-hmm. And, and we saw that a couple different times. Mm-hmm. Um, the obvious one, uh, uh, which was you know, kind of Nazi ball at its mm-hmm. absolute best. You know, everything starts in a bing, the, the, bing. The balls with there. Rudy Camacho basically inside his own six yard mm-hmm. box. Quick outlet. Boom. Cucho in behind. Squaring ball, kind of bending ball in behind a Jason Russell Rowe, and we punt that one into, you know, down into like freaking chill a coffee. Um, so, yeah, not an issue there for sure. Yeah, well, and look, he, I mean, he had the other one too where he hits the post, mm-hmm. but as Danny Higginbottom points out on the broadcast, bad if, body position. Yeah, and yeah. If, if the first touch is right, you're not leaning back, that ball is at least right. low and has a better chance. Look, I like Jason a lot. I think he's a great kid, and I think he's got a good future. And I'm an advocate for him playing more this year, especially because of what they're going to have. But I agree with what Brett was saying. This was a weird way to use him. And look, I imagine that he's played. This isn't the first time they've thrown him and said, you're more on the left wing. And look, maybe that wasn't really how it was set. Maybe that's just Cucho and Rossi are moving so much that... You know, he doesn't, he's not at that level in terms of recognizing space and things at this point. You know, he just kind of stuck to where he started. And look, the fact that he got into two good scoring positions, I think, mm-hmm. is a positive. Yeah. Um, but I, for me, this year, I would imagine his job is be that third forward, if we're talking just like a point guy, you know, Cucho, Ramirez, Russell Rowe. And Cucho doesn't obviously just stay in the middle and get your minutes kind of as the match congestion happens and whatnot. Now, maybe Nancy has a bigger plan for him, and, and this is not just because Matan was out, but I would be surprised. I just, 
I think Matan probably is more dangerous if he's on the field, and the team's more dangerous, and they were still pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's where I, I think it's I think it's Nancy more wanting to play Cucho in that role, and it's like, yeah. okay, who are we going to plug in here? And we're early in the season. Look, you know what you're going to get from Christian Martinez. Um, Ramirez. Uh, uh, Ramirez, sorry. Christian Martinez, we you also, also know, know you're going to get playing in Guatemala. And so, uh, uh, so so you say, okay, let's see let's see what we're going to get. And JR, we're going to put you in a little bit out of position. See what you're going to do. And he did. He, yes, he didn't finish, but still, you look at, like, who scored and and foot mob? He has the highest rating, you know, among the forwards. Yeah. That that front three. He was, I think, you know, he he was dangerous. Obviously, finishing not there, and he had a couple served to him on a platter. But I think that's a pretty encouraging performance for a, a spot start in a position that I think Wilfrey doesn't envision him playing in, but wanted to see, you know, what are you going to get out of him? Yeah, and I, I also think like the. Obviously, the point is to score. The whole point mm-hmm. of the game is to score. But I do what? think if we're peeling back that very obvious top layer, mm-hmm. what they want from that position is the running, the mm-hmm. pressing, the counter-pressing that comes uh, off of maybe being too a little bit too um, uh, technical in, certain, in terms of like the passing in the, in the final third, that he gives them that mm-hmm. no one else really in his kind of tier of like player caliber probably mm-hmm. gives them um, and if that's if that's where we're really measuring in ter- like what we want to see from Jason and Russell Rowe I think he checked every box mm-hmm. there be dangerous be in the position to score and then the next iteration of that which he did right he did all those mm-hmm. things the next iteration of that is finish mm-hmm. that's a harsh thing to do uh, and I think the crew made that look especially easy in 2023, and I think that's coloring and, and, and definitely influencing the way we're going to watch 2024. Is that like everything went in because it all looked really good and Kucha's really good and Lucas Aron's amazing and all this stuff, but like there are going to be those moments, and I think he'll de- definitely continue to have those opportunities. We have to remember, in this, it was still weird when when Stevie Steve Cangelosi said this in the broadcast. Jason Russell Rowe, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be there. It's going to yeah. happen. He, he but is, that's the next thing. To, that's the next thing to go because we know from everything we saw on Crew Two, once the first couple go in, everything starts going. Out. Well, that's so helpful because it's like he, he isn't one of those like young guys where it's like a you know Miguel Berry where you're like oh Miguel Berry you know he's just a kid. It's like well he's 23. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, right. Like he's a, a young player in this league, but Jason Russell Rowe doesn't have four years of college under his belt or anything no. like that. He truly is and. I think, again, it's about also floor and ceiling because, you know, right now he is an exceptional sub guy, you know, flex guy, and you just want to see, is this guy going to be an MLS, you know, starting 11 caliber guy? I don't know, but and this it, is a good opportunity to find Everything that you, we're, we've projected this season to be, which is a ton of games mm-hmm. and a ton of guys are going to see serious minutes, the more you get sea yep. legs under those guys in live fire situations, the more it benefits you down the road. In yeah. some ways... The results, the end kind of finishing product mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily matter because I think the process and digesting the process is more important, mm-hmm. especially well, in February into early March. Wilfried Nazi, is, he's already established that he's not afraid to play kids. Right. He's not afraid to play people out of position. He's not afraid to experiment under live fire. And that's what makes his entire system so entertaining. I agree. And you, you kind of have to go, okay, I think he's earned more than our trust. And, and you guys have sort of allayed a lot of my fears because it is big picture and we think about not finishing. But is he out there putting himself into a position to be successful? Uh, with, with players who have a lot more experience than he does, and he's got to fit into this whole thing. And I will say... My observation was that Atlanta didn't seem to have any idea what to do as far as marking Cucho at all. They seemed, I mean, that could have been for nothing. In you the know? first half. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and I think you could start it sort of after they didn't know what to do with marking and just ended it there. I mean, this is, it is wild. Oh, what do we got? Smurfs got <laughs> something better going on, I guess. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I think it's wild because, like, 
think about that. This is a team that Cruz played four times in their last seven games. Yeah. I mean, there is no team and no coach that was better prepared to face what he was going to face. And then Wilfrey just completely is like, yeah, well, what if uh, instead we just overload on the right and then uh, switch it on yeah. you a bunch and just, uh, you know, play those huge long diagonal balls to out, boom, goal. Like, just completely, completely different game plan than what we saw from them during that playoff series. And, and again, it's it's just, it's a credit to, and I cannot believe I'm crediting Brad Guzon, but it's a credit to him that this game was not more out of hand. It's great. They, they played the, it was, you know, everything we expected from that game. Look at this new iteration of Atlanta. They have de- defensive midfielders for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. They, Gonzalo Pineda finally got, like, some of the some of the true guys he wants. You know, Tiago Almada still trying to impress Europe. Who's invisible. Uh, you know, Chakumak is, like, golden boot MVP potential, right? And what did, what did the crew do? They played the hits on how to beat Atlanta, which is yeah. get in behind Brooks Lennon and overwhelm their below-average mm-hmm. defensive midfielders. It was hilarious because, like, I kept waiting for, like, the the light bulb to go off that you need to kind of play through the yep. middle and then out to the other side. That's the only way it's going to work. And it did happen about 60, 65 minutes where they, they finally got a mm-hmm. foothold where Almada kind of dropped back a little bit more in field. But for the you know 55, 60 minutes on, it was I, I felt like I was watching a, a team that had no chance at the postseason. That was, it was super weird to watch. What was hilarious was uh, partway through the game, they were talking about Yakimakis being a, go- a potential golden boot winner, yeah. and then they go. But he doesn't <laughs> take penalty kicks. I'm like, why are we even talking about this? This this looks. He will when Almada leaves. Mm-hmm. To me, like yeah. a garbage team, and and it's only February. I get it, but at, to your point, we played them a lot over the last not that many months, and they seem to have had no idea yeah. who we were or anything. It was really kind of shocking. I, I expected them to score. I expected this to be a 3-2 game, a 3-1 game at least, something. And they offered n- no resistance and no creativity attacking-wise. It was really stunning to me. Yeah, no, I mean, when we predicted the scores last week, I think we all predicted multiple goals. Right. Uh, but... To me, the, the the thing that the crew did the best, and I think this is kind of what... Now, Atlanta wasn't great, and I still think Atlanta's going to be really good. I think these... You could be looking at I two of the too, top yeah. teams in the East. Yeah, I do too. But when... And this is the opposite of what the crew did a lot early last year. They got the goal. They missed the penalty kick. They realized that there's a chance for Atlanta to get back in the game. They just kept the ball for 15, 20 minutes, more or less. I mean, it was... It reminded me of watching a team like Manchester City who, after years of working with Pep, can just ruin a game. You know, if they know that they're in a tough 1-0 game, they'll just ruin entertaining soccer for 30 minutes by knocking it around the back. You know, they'll still attack when the opportunity's there, but it's not we got to blaze forward and try and score six. And that's what the crew did a lot of times last year. And sometimes they scored four, five, six. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that also came back the other way, especially late in the game. And the control was what impressed me the most, was... You know, recognizing the moments to slow things down, keep the ball. We're fine winning 1-0. You know, we know we're playing well defensively. Patrick Schulte only had to make one save that comes to my head. Maybe there were more. Uh, you know, it was it was a solid performance, and then they're just like, we'll take it. We'll take the three points and get out of here. Feeling good about the Rudy Camacho trade, you know? And we already were, but he is completely said, you know, the, the, come to my office where we'll meet mm-hmm. us, de- <laughs> us, us defenders and we'll, we'll figure it out. And it was a professional effort on the part of those guys. And I was never really all that concerned. No, I mean, and, and you know, Sean Zawadzki gets the start. Stephen Marrera probably, again, a little bit of load management yeah. after AFCON um, and just not being able to, you know, be with the team throughout training camp. But, I mean, this is, I don't, I don't know where it's up. This is the first, I think, one nothing win under Nancy with the crew. Um, with the exception <laughs> of that Indy 11 game. But, like, oh, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that is, I mean, Winning ever, I mean, to have like multiple like four one and four nothing wins before you get like a one nothing one, it says a lot of it. But I mean, it, that that's the sort of, you know, calming presence where 
I think, you know, having Rui Camacho there, someone who's got familiar, but then also just, I think just to a man on that back line, they, they all, they know, you know, what needs to be done. They know they demonstrated toward the end of that year that they could close out games when they needed to. Um, and, you know, if you're Wilfried, I think you feel, you have to feel pretty com- or, or confident that, the just mentality is already just instilled and drilled in with most of these guys that yes if we want to if I want us to go and attack and make it and go and do six nothing like that's not going to be you know counter to something that's not going to be like I need to relearn this you know it's against us because that is what they're used to so now it's like okay let, let's work on refining some of these other aspects closing out games something that we struggled with and that's is much an important part of the process, I think, as the rest of it, especially when you've got the other mentality already down. You mentioned Sean Zawatsky. I thought that was really an interesting just test of what that looks like when Steven Marrera can't be out there. And Sean didn't do a lot of what they asked Steven to do, but what he did do was solid. Five tackles. Yeah, I mean, he played really well defensively. Now, he didn't get as far forward and I, you know, I think he's fully capable of some of that stuff. Neither uh, did Malte, though. That's true. But he, I mean, like, Marrero was constantly being, like, a, another central midfielder last season, especially at the end, once they really got into it. Um, some of that was a mo on, more on Mo Farsi, which is a hard sentence to say. Mo on Mo. Um, and so I will be interesting to see if that was just a Zawatsky thing or if against higher... Higher, uh, or you know, more potent offensive teams. If they do keep Marrera home a little bit more, because I have to think they went in also expecting Atlanta to be better offensively than they were, um, and you know, you, you come well, up with a game plan to try and stymie that. Maybe you've explained Atlanta's impotence on Saturday was that we the played them differently than they were expecting. Well, that like I think that that was the biggest. I think. It was like, what are, we, what are we going to see that's new from Wilfred Nancy in terms of, like, tactical wrinkles, right? And the biggest one is they gave Atlanta the ball for a big chunk of the game and said, okay, well, we're up on nothing. You've got nothing. Here you go. We'll take it. And, oh, by the way, we are way more comfortable than we right now than we looked like a year ago in building out of our defensive third. The, the first Jason Russell Rowe chance, chance that he misses comes out of defensive third mm-hmm. um, buildup. The goal comes out of defensive third buildup. Mm-hmm. And the Mo Farsi penalty that Cucho eventually missed, also defensive third buildup. That's, that's new. Like they, Most of what they were doing last year was high line, building through that middle block, trying to uh, kind of create like these fake transition moments, right? Well, now if they're, if they're moving 20 yards backward in field and te- teams have to respect that or just they're just not going to touch the ball, that means there's so much more space for that front third to be able to float. And you saw the perfect like – the, the best example of that is the Mo Farsi chance that Jason Russell Rowe misses, mm-hmm. right? In like what, Every single one of those balls, it's like, wait, that's not really – oh, my God, it is. It's perfect. Yeah, what, what a Cucho one-touch turn and play looks like. Yeah. Whoa, right? Whoa. Put a uh, stopwatch on that play. Yeah. Because when you're watching it and, it and then you see the replay, in your mind, it's like, well, that took however many seconds. No, yeah. Put a stopwatch on it, it's nothing. It's no. like that. Four or five seconds from your inside yeah. your own six-yard box to, like, potentially picking the ball up out of the back of your own net. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Especially against a team that you're already on your heels against because reigning MLS Cup champions – played the best soccer of anybody in the league so it's like oh and they can oh like they can absorb pressure and counter like down our throats like like you should be able to do both of that right both those things are all that so um like i think it was i think it's it, it, it to me it was like it was one of those performances and I, we said this uh last week like i expected the attack to look very fluid and look very cohesive and kind of like mid-season form so I had high expectations, and they exceeded those really high expectations. If that's how, if that's going to be like the floor, which like in general, like I think maybe that's probably where the floor is. 
30 degrees, yeah. you know, like, like yeah. shoveling snow. Nice you, know, you needed the, the sub air under mm-hmm. lower.com field to melt all the ice that was on the field. Shout out to the grounds crew staff. Yeah, um, field looked great. Uh, but you're creating, like, if you take the penalty away, if you're creating 1.65 X goal without mm-hmm. really, without the majority of the ball, 17, 16, 17 shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look out. Yeah. And again, that out. first half, they absolutely suffocated yeah. Atlanta. One shot attempt yeah. from them. And point point two goal, uh, expected goals for Atlanta at halftime, I it think. Probably I, yeah, like, I saw point zero one or yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, probably yeah, this is where you're splitting hairs. Legitimately, like, ridiculous. legitimately like single-digit touches <laughs> inside the crew box, yeah. too, which Just, is crazy as yeah. well. Impotent. The, the one thing that I'm going to need to see more of from this team is corners. Because when you yeah. bet ten corners... And you only get five. That does not win you money. And so you're going to need more okay. corners. Well, keep and that in mind. Just the, the one other thing, too, you know, to observe of, of, about the game, too. And I, I'm curious from you all because watch it, watching it kind of replay and watching it live, does Guzan not handle the ball out of the box? And it, like, it was offsides. But that was a weird. Yeah, that was a good point. That was a weird play. And their performance in general. Um, I don't know. I watched a good amount of MLS this mm-hmm. going back to Wednesday uh, when Miami and, and RSL played. And I thought, like, if fine. you don't notice, if you don't know that that's happening, I don't think you're like, wow, these referees. I mean, maybe that's just the low bar of MLS referees in general, but. You know, I don't. Now, I will say on the penalty kick, the center referee doesn't make any sort of gesture. Stands no. there for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Then he did the VAR symbol, but then he just stood there listening to his ear. And like my understanding is, the VAR symbol means you're going to go look at it. And he eventually did do the symbol again and went. It, it just seemed like it was something he hadn't done a ton of before, which probably hadn't done any of yeah. it. Some of the some of the protocol stuff, and 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 uh, this is a, a hard transition of the ref stuff, but I think like the. The, you're going to see some breakdown in some of the protocol stuff, yeah, right? right? Because these people don't do it. Um, I saw some people tweeting, like, losing their mind about, like, league-wide refs. I, I forget who it was. Something about how it's not sustainable going forward. And I, like, could not possibly, like, want to crumple that up and throw that in the garbage. You know what's not that was sustainable? A, not having referees. Yeah. Yeah. So you need somebody out that there. Was, I mean, like, that's a – like, tell me you've never – you don't really watch without telling me you don't really watch. Yeah. Um, I, I do think uh, from – from the the PRSA standpoint, and um, I, I know I'm tipping my hand here a little bit, but like uh, they they deserve pay well before the lockout happened. They, mm-hmm. I mean, how many how many times did you hear Neil during a broadcast over the years say like Victor Rivas, you know, been a referee for X amount of years, but is also a professional lifeguard, yeah. right? Like <laughs> because that's like their main job, right? Or like oh, so and so, you know. Uh, uh, Mark Geiger, Geiger was a cop for however yeah, long, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think, I think that Mark Geiger, Geiger wasn't a cop, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he is now, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, like, you know, th- they deserve to be full-time referees. They deserve the pay to be able to do that mm-hmm. and to be, to, to be able to commit to that full-time because I think that actually makes the whole thing better. Absolutely. Uh, but then, then you are not as you know interested in I don't know a jersey from Cuauhtémoc Blanco. Yeah, that doesn't know, matter so, as much to you. You know, so Jair Marufo, the shenanigans <laughs> that he's engaged in over the last you know ten plus years, it's, you know, you know now there's actually some you know accountability that might come downstream from that. How far apart are the sides on this? Uh, it depends on who you ask. That's yeah. part of the problem. Don uh, Garber's got no idea what they want, so yeah. that's not a good sign, yeah, according and, to him. And I do think too, like that. Uh, I and, and this is in my. Opinion. This is this is pro's fault for for some construing the water as, waters as to what their relationship is to MLS. I'm talking about pro professional referees organization, and then how they are essentially the the contractor paid by Major League Soccer mm-hmm. that does all the conduit hiring for the union of PRSA, the professional referees soccer or something. Or yeah. I, I forget yeah. what the S is. Uh, association or society of whatever, um, but what PRSA is that? That's the those are the refs. Mm-hmm. Pro are the the suits, and MLS are kind of the money men. If that makes sense, that's been messy. That that kind of flow chart has been messy for a really long time. But in terms of where the sides are at, it really depends on who you ask uh, and like kind of where we're at. I do think. 
from what we saw here in the opening week, not great from the, the PRSA standpoint in terms of, like, negotiating power and leverage and what that might look like. Well, and especially with some of the reports that came out about, you know, threatening refs that they won't get other jobs if they do this. Yeah. Like, like, it hasn't been a good look. Yeah, and also, like, everything went pretty okay. Like I, the, I didn't see anything... Uh, come across various the sports only, websites that were a problem. Yeah, the only one that I thought was questionable that I really kind of laid into that was like game changing. Certainly, they're like, "Oh, was that a foul? Not a foul?" I could give a crap about any of that because that's all subjective, and it's been subjective since we, you know, since MLS started. Um, DC United revs DC's first goal. Ball kind of looked like it crossed the lines. Christian Benteke heading the ball down. Uh, ruled not a goal. VAR goes to the monitor, and there is no definitive angle because, you know, MLS doesn't have goal line technology for some stupid reason. <laughs> and then ref goes to the monitor, overturns it, and that was a bad that was a bad overturn. And I think that's something that we're going to see, if that these refs who are replacement referees, if they're going to the monitor, that fucker's getting overturned. I think it was 100% this week. Wow. Anytime okay. they went to the monitor, the call got switched. Okay. And that's because the guys who are doing VAR, pro-referee, pro based people in that kind of that middle part, right? Mark Geiger did VAR for the crew game. There was there was something like 14 VAR visits yeah, this this for. week. And I think they went and 14 the, for 14 in terms I, of Well, not only that, I think it like the average is normally like four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we might see an uptick of that. That might be my biggest issue. But in terms of like, but also DC scored three goals and... Uh, Revs had one of the great all-time stupid double yellow sending offs in history, and hashtag watch this space because Caleb, the Caleb Porter uh, Veroni relationship that I've said when Caleb got hired a couple weeks ago is going to be a thing to watch. My God, could it not have started with bigger and better fireworks than that one? <laughs> I will uh, say, oh, but that's something to keep an eye on as as time okay. goes along. I think they should. I, I would be shocked if we had didn't have an agreement by say like the end of March. Okay. Uh, just simply because it's it's in everybody's best interest to get back to playing. Um, but if like if we were hoping for like what's this the, the Ukrainian ref from the the crew game last year? If, if you were hoping if you were hoping for you know 16 games worth of meltdown, that didn't happen. We didn't have anything even within like one percent of that. And yeah. so I think that actually is technically pros a pro for pro if that makes sense i was curious i guess is the word i'd use in how these referees would handle the big stars and like specifically confrontations when guys come and get in your face or you know calling it now it didn't start well because Messi got a foul like 10 minutes into that first game where it was a foul into yellow at the top of the box, and he clearly got the ball. The referee was in good position to see that he got the ball, and it was in no way a yellow card. But other than that, like, I was watching the, the Galaxy-Miami game last night, and, like, a few times... Now, this was the referee for that game. I don't know what his name was, but he's a big, big guy. So, like, he took no shit from anybody. Yeah. And, like, was... You know, Suarez got up in his face one time, and he puts his hand in his face and points the other way, you know. So, I was good to see that these guys aren't backing down, even though they may be refing some of the biggest names that they've, they've ever had to deal with, which I think is a positive, because you don't want guys officiating scared of players on the field, yeah. right? And, and sometimes I feel like that does happen when you're in... When you're getting going early on and, sure. and you're dealing well, the stars with count on that. They yeah. count on that treatment. They count on you backing down. All right. Uh, Minnesota. The weather's going to be nice up there, as it turns out. It'll be a lot like it is here today. So we don't have to worry about that. That's nice. Saturday well, afternoon. Well, it's Monday. Things could change. Well, that's true. Uh, I watched the, the MLS highlight package of Minnesota at Austin. They yeah. could have won that game 7-1. to one. Yeah. Ended up 2-1. Stu, yeah. our, our old friend Brad Stewart stood on his head, kept Austin in that game. Minnesota was high-pressing, and that's something we need to be prepared for. They don't even – they haven't hired a coach yet, have they? they? Did. Yeah. Oh, it's they happened, did hire a coach. Happened it happened today. Up. Okay. Like, uh, the, there was reports, but I think it went official literally like this morning. I, um, 6 p.m. this evening. Okay, so like literally, we're, we're an taping hour this and 17 at, minutes. At seven, it's 7:16 on Monday. That's weird that they waited so long. Well, their director of soccer ops didn't show up for six months either. He just got in country back in January. 
Uh, this is only saying more things about Austin. Through the grape, <laughs> through the grapevine, Minnesota. I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here. Minnesota didn't even necessarily know where they were going to do preseason stuff until basically like turn of the year. Wow, which is crazy talk. Um, That's right. Yet, Brett is friends with Pookie. Yes, Timo, <laughs> Timu, and I. You know, going back to our very our my Finnish roots. Um, the. <laughs> Our love of saunas and coffee and, and I don't know, <laughs> did, uh, the, the toxic max- masculinity. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, Minnesota elite, elite number nine. Reynoso, despite all of his baggage and, you know, when he shows up, whenever, it's up to him and no one else. Elite 10, elite number nine, pressing out the wazoo. Will Trapp still got all the field general wheels you could possibly want, and there's some depth in the back end there. Everybody in Major League Soccer, in terms of the punditry, is underrating this Minnesota United team because of all the crap of the coach and the director of soccer ops who took the job and then decided he wanted to hang out at his old job for six months. (laughs) Um... That might all be a dumpster fire, but I think there's real talent there, and they're definitely a team to watch because the Western Conference is a complete shit show in terms of talent. Anyway, the what the bear, what the average team in the Western Conference is relative to the Eastern Conference is like last place in the Eastern Conference probably makes Western Conference playoffs without much issue. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, at least for based on kind of my assessment of it, uh, and definitely I think the first week showed us that too. Um, this is a talented team uh, that I think has one of the better, more underrated home atmospheres in the league as well. Um, it's something to keep an eye on because I think it's 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 a way bigger test and challenge than I think people probably realize or kind of consider. Well, because of their lack of maybe success, especially in the postseason. It's a good thing that we have tape in this Austin game. I mean, the entire. Granted, I only watched the highlights. You watched a chunk of the game, yeah. didn't you, Murph? Yeah, and they, you're right. The high press was the thing that stood out. The, they had a really good chance off of a you know, defender with his back to goal. Uh, they created a number of opportunities that way. Question is, are they going to play that way next week? You know, yeah. Eric Ramsey coming in from, from Manchester United. I assume he's getting in there as quick as possible. How quickly does he install different things? Do you stick with what worked last week on the road? You mentioned their home environments. They won four games at home last year. They're four, four, nine, and like Jeez, I will be good. there, so I will testify on after we get back on, on next week about the environment. But I've always heard great things. But yeah, they were six, nine, two on the road and four, four, nine, and we saw them obviously come into mm-hmm. to Lower.com and Leaks Cup. Um, now, whole different year, whole different coach. Uh, they do had at least in the first game they had a couple key injuries or key guys that weren't available. So we'll see what that looks like. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you, right? Like this won't be. You know, just because they didn't make the playoffs last year doesn't mean the crew's going to walk in there and just, you know, roll. And, and we know this team, I, obviously they got it going at the end of the season on the road, won some road games in the playoffs, but it's not like there's a long history here of road success for the crew. So I, I think this will be an interesting test for sure. Um, uh, you're right. I mean, there's just some strange unknowns here as far as I, I can't imagine that a new manager would come in and be able to do much of anything other than go, well, that looked pretty good. Let's just do that. Yeah, go run, right? Like, yeah. uh, I do think um, it does help that the group, the, the Minnesota group, the team, is actually pretty cohesive mm-hmm. in terms of continuity, right? That like It's a lot of the same guys, not a, not a ton of new faces, so they could probably... I think they're going to do a little bit, of, a, a lot of what... Um, not necessarily similar in terms of like the, the low block parking the bus that you we, that you're, that Dean Smith is going to do at Charlotte, but in terms of simplifying the tactics that you've that we've heard all about, kind of what they've done, I think that's that's going to be probably what you'll see from Minnesota: play simple through Reynoso, try to get out the other side, and then run. Um, is it, that to me makes the most sense given their personnel, um, and and I think their depth is also pretty solid yeah. from, from what I've seen. Uh, there's a lot of MLS minutes in that group, um, especially relative to the Western Conference. So, um, and I think if you saw the, the Austin game, to me, watching probably about 30 minutes of it, the resiliency in the group is really strong, too. Their willingness to run, their willingness to press. With no leader whatsoever, uh, it probably speaks to kind of the, the maybe the, the character of the, the group overall, which is pretty high. 
Does it, Bart, does it speak to Austin's lack of quality? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that I think was Brett, we, by the way. Yeah, I, I, Who said that? But I think we, you know, saw that last year with the regression after two years, and, and they didn't make any huge, you know, decisions. Josh Zar does love him, but Ethan Finley he should started. not be. Yeah, yeah. The, the, these are guys that Ethan had a really good chance, a header that should should have put on. I mean, he puts it on frame, but it's right at. Uh, St. Clair. But I don't think there are too many guys who were starting in MLS in, you know, 2015 that you, you generally want starting on a roster in 2024. It's just you get older. Maybe um, Will. Maybe Will. Yeah. Will still in. The, the, yeah. I, I said too many. Um, uh, and, and again, it's, it's, you know, them, their fitness. But yeah, I think it's. And I think Josh Wolf is. This is really a put up and, and, or shut up year for yeah, Josh, no Josh Wolf. Um, uh, we saw uh, that, day. You know, the feet was already years. preheating. It's warmer mm. by the minute. Well, and and you know, fans are getting irritated because uh, uh, you know only that. Uh, because uh, I guess crew fans have like been sneaking down to the bathrooms at uh, Austin <laughs> Stadium and and wrecking their um, uh, sinks. That 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 apparently in their their four year old stadium, um, they're already having issues in the bathrooms. Which again, you know, famously crew fans did that to we did that to ourselves to you know this is a false flag to make Anthony Precourt look bad um, during the Save the Crew years. Uh, but apparently, uh, some really industrious crew fans have gone down and have wow. started sabotaging McCullough Place. So it's a really shameful thing for crew fans to do. It couldn't be that you know again that trust fund baby. Uh, uh, just nickel and dimed you guys um, and just, you know, uh, uh, slap the cheapest, you know, Ikea equivalent um, uh, to a stadium together uh, that he could. No, couldn't be that. Once again, uh, defending my Scandinavian roots, I didn't put, <laughs> you take Ikea out your mouth. Uh, no, but um, it might be time to clear some room. You know how I'm sure most people have like that that bucket that has all of like your 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 kitchen accoutrement that you yeah, use yeah, right. to, to, to cook and stir and whatever. It might be time to clear out a little bit of space for, for a certain spoon made of a certain <laughs> material wow. because that looked like dog shit. And, and I, count me the biggest, jo- one of the biggest Josh Wolf fans mm-hmm. on the planet. That I, I thought they were, they should have considered him, you know, when 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 he went there. It was sort of like, oh, I don't know, I don't well, want to see him go. But I mean, I'm saying, you know, ask it was it, there. That's a different. Well, yeah. I, I'm not going to get into that. That's a different conversation for a different pod. God, I feel like I say that every week. You do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to have we a pod. Do, we never do the different conversations. Pod. We never do the different pod. We, we, we yeah. should, that's an off season. Right. Well, thing. that's sad. As, it didn't oh, look good. Did you have? Well, something just going back to Minnesota and the home game. Like this is their home opener right so i do imagine you know it'll be a date it'll be 1 p.m local time 2 p.m eastern time so you know middle of the day i imagine it will be pretty raucous so in my mind the weather's gonna be nice yeah if you're the crew get through the first 15 20 minutes you know if you can do that whole control the ball thing uh i would do that for the start not gung-ho forward i would love i would invite them to press their faces off. Bring it. We'll pre- keep press us. Press us all you want. Yeah, because where they really—I sort of mentioned this already—where they really got Minnesota or got Austin were situations when like defender as is he's facing his own goal or like half turned towards his own goal and not looking at the press coming. But the crew plays so frontward facing and have a goalkeeper, and not that Brad Stuver is bad with his feet, but. He's not necessarily asked to Different do it profile. as me. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I think you are, not to say that the crew is press resistant, because I don't think ML, any MLS team is at that level of, of soccer, but I think they're equipped to deal with the press much better than, than Austin is because of what these guys have done. And, you know, we heard it when Josh was on the podcast, Josh Williams, talking about how, you know, they're, they're basically having guys come pressure them, and then you get rid of the ball, and you want that space in behind, right? And so this will be the test for that, but I do feel much better about it than I think probably Austin fans would if, if they knew that's kind of what was going to be the game plan. We'll have our picks for the Minnesota game here in a few moments. Just a couple of other notes. Uh, we talked about their TIFO. Cincinnati goes nil-nil with uh, Red Bull or Toronto. Yep. Oh, my God. I almost gave him a little bit of an out there. <laughs> The, uh, I thought Toronto looked pretty good. good. Did I they? Mean, good. Especially first half or so. 
I mean, once since he started to kind of take over the game, like they can, tr neither team was particularly dangerous. But like I had to double check that that game wasn't at BMO Field when I, t I turned it on a few minutes late, just because of a the uniforms they were wearing. Toronto <laughs> was in there like red and black, and Cincinnati was in the white one, new white ones. But just the way Toronto was controlling things, I was like, is this? I'm pretty sure this is a, a Cincinnati home game, and it, and it was, but. You know, I don't know what Toronto is going to be. I do like, uh, was it John Herdman? Mm -hmm. I do like what he's done with the, the Canadian national teams up there. But Cincinnati did not look a team, you know, ready to start start a season. Ro the, ro it was it, To me, it almost looked like a rotated squad because of their... But it wasn't. It was almost all the same guys right, that started Wednesday. Which was kind of mm -hmm. weird because they did, they did play midweek. Oh, in, yeah. In Jamaica. In, yeah. Yeah. Um, or... They, Jamaica or Panama? I kind of forget which I one. Thought, I thought Panama. it might have been Panama. Okay. I kind of forget. But um, uh, Corey Baird gives them something. There's definitely something there. His season, um, I was really surprised to see him leave. Um, I think they got, they got better there. Um, Barrial is gone to Brazil, I believe, and they might have upgraded Correct. at left back with the new guy. Now... Might I'm I'm I'm, I'm quanti or, not you know, sure kind of, about that. We'll see, but the I thought the in terms of the what the profile looks like, I think it looks pretty good. That's obviously a big bar to clear in terms of the guy who probably should have won Defender of the Year a year ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looked sluggish. It looked slow. The um, Toronto, I felt like Toronto invited some pressure and found it looked easy to kind of get out an outlet a little bit. Um, we heard all about kind of Cincy upgrading, getting better defensively, getting better in defensive mid, and they did not. That didn't look much better to me. Um, now, obviously, zero zero, right? So like, clean sheet. When I'm looking at Sam, clean sheet for uh, Sean Johnson. Almost three, uh, three straight zero zero games yeah. on Sunday. So, Sam, so uh, gonna give your take on zero zero games. This is this is kind of a running joke in our Look, the group even thread. worse part of it is that they were all terrible zero zero games. I mean, I thought the Red nobody Bull, Red deserves Bull was entertaining. Nobody yeah. deserves credit for any. We should be clear that uh, Annie Mukhtar did not play yeah. in the Nashville game. So, but they were like, you can have a zero zero entertaining game, and none of them were. And so nobody deserved to get credit for anything that took place <laughs> yeah. in that game. All right, heck, even the point is an over is an over. <laughs> Reception. But yeah, it didn't look you, good. It didn't look good. And then again, this is your, your, you know, uh, defending supporter shield champs. Against the wind um, against, spoon guys. Yeah, it, exactly. And, and you managed 0.47 XG just from, from, from you know, run a play. Um, that's just, I mean, we know this is a team that relies a lot on set pieces. Uh, uh, Lord knows they needed it to get them against a crew in that um, Eastern Conference final. But... Uh, this is still, I mean, I think they're, those are big red flags if you're Cincinnati. Like, the, Matt Miazga isn't the difference, you know, for you. Adding him back in um, isn't going to make a yeah. substantive difference on, on the other end of the field, obviously. You know, yeah, you're, you're doing a little bit of rotation, but I think there are some real big concerns, and this is a team that uh, I, I think a number of us, you know, pointed out, like, they were extremely lucky last year. They won, I think, 14 games by one goal. That yeah. is not something that is sustainable. Um, or at least you're due for some regression. It, and it, if it's sustainable. Bit, it's yeah. not sustainable in Major League Soccer, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any other games, results that stood out to you? The... Um, <laughs> um, I think the the... The Miami game, I thought, last night, Sunday night against LA Galaxy, I thought was, like, simultaneously, like, alarming. And also, I felt like I was watching, like, the MLS version of, like, the Hunger Games. <laughs> um, it was a, there was, like, a, I, I, the, the bizarre, the whole thing felt bizarre and weird. And, like, Novak Djokovic is there and, like. The DJ at halftime. Yeah, and like the yeah extended halftime and like the the 
the, maybe the worst call all week was the the, the second yellow to Delgado, yeah. the LA Galaxy mm-hmm. midfielder for for phantom tackling Busquets, who went down like he took a bullet to the ankle. Just so we're clear, they're celebrating um, Beckham coming back, right? That's what this was all for. for sure, Beckham yeah. being back in town. Uh, I don't know. That was Did that he play? was weird. <laughs> No, but like, <laughs> he did look good though. Luis, he always looks good. Luis Suarez looks terrible in yeah. terms. Of, he looks like he's in pain. He's, he is. I mean, he said like, it. Like he, they, there are quotes from him. You know, just in the off season, it's like, I need three days to recover. Any yeah. days, I'm worried that if I keep playing, I'm not going to be able to play five on five and be able to hang out, hang out with my kids. And you've got a guy like Campana who's yeah. shown he can score in this league. I don't know what Luis Suarez is doing starting for this. How, yeah, I was surprised way, he started not the opener because obviously it's there for but I was surprised he started out in LA you know a few days later like what is Tata Martin what is he doing like he, rec- he this is a guy who's like by all accounts you know a, a, a savvy smart coach has had a lot of success yeah um, he's got to he be knows, under a lot of pressure knows, but, to but play I, these guys I, I, I I, I don't think, think there's. I like think that, not that level of it, would, right? Like you've got an owner, David Beckham, who's a soccer guy. Take anything away. Like he know he understands. Like well, yes, obviously there's the business aspect of this, but if we want to be successful, he knows better than pretty much any owner in MLS. Like what goes into playing this game when you're on the other side of thirty? I'm so I'm calling this. I'm calling this the. Uh, it's a it's a workshopping bit, but I think it fits. Um, but I'm calling it the 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 the, the fanboy um, fanboy methodology, which is the movie fanboys. If anyone's familiar, is this kind of Star Wars homage of like this buddy comedy where these guys take their potentially terminally ill friend, try to break into Skywalker Ranch to see the Phantom Menace before everyone. Okay. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you, but the last line in the movie is, what if the movie sucks? <laughs> <laughs> the fanboy's, like, problem here, the fanboy's bit is that, like, yes, we have all the circumstance, messy this, messy that. What if they suck? What if, like, it looks like dog shit on the field? And for stretches, it did. Now, I will admit, their goal, it looked like Messi and Jordi Alba just decided, like, okay... Enough of this crap. With 10 men on the field. Let's figure this out. And they go and they play basically a 1-2 between the two of them over the course of about 30 yards, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, And score the goal. Uh, But, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing feels like a bit of a circus. And And I do think... I don't know if it's necessarily indicative of what we're going to see over the course of the season. I still think they're going to be pretty good. Um... But they better start managing the circus. Because if they don't start managing the circus... And the on-field results start being blah. It's gonna, we're gonna start banging the gong show uh, a little bit in terms of it being a running joke, and well, that's a problem. And I think if these guys are healthy, and Suarez not a good first two games, but we still know. I mean, he still scored a bunch of goals last year in Brazil. If they're healthy, I think they're gonna find ways to just win these games, even when they look like crap. Yeah. You know, like they did in the first game when they weren't great against RSL, and RSL didn't do anything to help, and then get the draw last night because they just have guys that are that good. So there's, I think as long as those guys are on the field, they're going to be all right. Kind of funny that they open with two Western Conference teams. Yeah. I don't, um, think, that's a, I don't think that's a coincidence. No. <laughs> Real quick, right. I just wanted to hit on a couple other quick ones. Uh, Colorado Oof. lost 4-1 Oof. in Zach Steffen's debut to Portland. Do the X-Goals stat. Hold on. Zach yeah. Steffen, who we all expected big things from, mm-hmm. gives up four goals on Ooh. maybe the most outrageous X goals number. Relative. 0.54 for That's Portland. That's insane. And they scored four. Now, I was only like half watching this game Saturday night because we were watching something else. But like, I don't remember Zach being bad. I mean, like he will, obviously didn't play. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I would. I, I haven't. Had re- seven, they had seven shots for the game and scored four goals. I haven't. Re- <laughs> I haven't researched this, but I would be shocked. Absolutely shocked if that is not the biggest differ, different, differential between expected goals, potentiality of goals, and actual goals scored since we started doing this stat back in 2016 or 2018. You mentioned the DC 3-1 against New England. Well, that, that Christian Benteke, dark horse for MVP, starts yeah. looking real good. Uh, right? Yeah, I, I did pick him up for my fantasy team, courtesy you, you heard there, it here Brett. First, I, I, I talked myself out of Giamakis for him, and I was sitting pretty pr- yeah, after pretty that. And then my money. just because of the 
upcoming up uh, Champions Cup games. Both Houston and St. Louis, who played to a 1-1 draw last week in St. Louis. Houston won one against Sporting Kansas City. St. Louis won one against Real Salt Lake. So okay. neither of those teams are uh, off to a flyer here. We'll last, see what the game is in Houston. Last thought, Caleb Porter making the New England Revolution debut. Um, kind of a cumbersome side, but Carlos Heel scores an absolute banger when they're down to 10 men. Um, Barkyanovich, is that how you pronounce his name? Barkyanovich? I forget. Right. The, 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 U, the U20 U.S. Men's National Team player that everyone was projecting uh, is absolutely legit. Uh, winger, Caleb's going to start the absolute bejesus out of him. He's, he's, a, he's the in-sharpie starter along with Carlos Heel. Um, they lose 3-1. Uh, but a bat, like a, an absolute bonehead red card from Veroni, which, you know, watch this space. Um, but it was, there were some moments, uh, the deja vu of watching that game and watching them struggle sometimes to build because they're, they don't have a, uh, they don't have a midfielder back far enough to be able to, tr- to combine with the left back to get in and out, then back out the other side. It was like, <laughs> my God, have I seen this story before? And and, then, and and by the way, that midfielder that they're depending on is uh, like Matt Polster, not Darlington Nagby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, different different player there. I wish him the best. Then I think the only other observation is that uh, LAFC game and just Illy Sanchez with his white guy corner. I tweeted. I tweeted this. I tweeted this at the time. But example number two million and change. Why you need to have better friends. Yeah. Have better friends. Well, I'm glad you're my friends. My friends, we need to make our picks and get out of here. Because uh, Sam needs to go play volleyball. And I need to eat dinner. Let's go right at the net. Right at the net, Sam. I'm actually a setter, so, yeah. Uh, we'll go at the net anyway. Start a fight. There you go. Do they have fights in volleyball? I don't know. Uh, let's make our picks for a game we already talked about, Minnesota. At Minnesota on Saturday afternoon. We'll start with you, Brett. So you, I'm going to segue here perfectly real quick with a tangent, and then we'll do the score. Speaking of net, shout out to DC United for, for naming their broadcast booth after an MLS original, an absolute soccer legend, American soccer legend, and Dave Johnson, who should be calling Apple TV games yeah, and is not. But in perfect, perfect personification of all the crap that we deal with in this amazing league that we love to hate. DC United does not have a radio deal, which Dave Johnson is the radio announcer right now, does not have a radio deal in place for him to be able to call the game where they unveiled his broadcast. Uh, That checks out. Shout out to Dave. Dave, of course, the net being, it's in the net. Legendary call that we've known. It's in the net. Back from... Called the the first crew game, didn't he? Yes, he did. Libera Brava, the whole thing. Shout out to Dave. Nicest guy in the world. Working with the Annapolis Blues, which is a USL team, which I encourage you to follow on Twitter. They're very fun. Um, anyway, big, back to Minneapolis. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or St. Paul. But it's I think, a big, big honor for him, and I appreciate it. And they, they, we, he's a legend and deserves all the accolades and then some. Uh, Minnesota Crew. Uh, you know, when we were we were kind of like get, getting ready and kind of looking at some of the some of the stats and and kind of some of the history, I kind of felt like this is like two zero Crew, like just because you know why would you expect them to play? You know, maybe you know below what the what the floor might be, um, and then Murph mentioned their home record. Um, I still think there's a gear there that Minnesota has that most teams don't. Uh, I said two one against Atlanta. I think I'm sticking with that here in this game. I think it's two one Crew, but I think it's like a squeaky two one okay. victory for Crew on the road. All right, Brett. Uh, Murph. I'm Brett. That's yeah, yeah. Hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you, Brad. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am going to go one-one, just because it's on the road. I don't really have a reason other than that. Huh? It's uh, you know, I need to see this team win some road games pretty much every year before I'm going to start picking them to win on the road. So one-one. Sam. Well, Brett said. Two one. Sam goes two well, one. I'm gonna, and, uh, and a squeaky, a squeaky. Squeaky as well. Love that. Yeah. Two, two one. Two squeakers. That, that's where I am. Two, two one. So Barry squeakers. It's it's wide open for you. We're we're gonna go with. Uh, I was glad you talked yourself out of that two nothing, Brad. Thank you. Because. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry. Um, Shut uh, up, Bruce. <laughs> 
two nothing is what I'm going with. We're gonna get uh, a, a goal from Sweet Baby Aiden, and uh, I think uh, Diego Rossi. Can't say Josh Williams anymore. No, no. Nope. I mean, Aiden you could. Sweet Baby Aiden. Aiden's yeah. taking over. Yeah, yeah. Next man up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to get your names He's right Josh next week. Josh Williams approved. Thanks to uh, everyone for listening. Thanks to Saucy Brewworks for having us every week. Like and subscribe to the Massport Podcast if you would. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next week on the Massport Podcast. God knows what the weather's going to be, but we'll be here regardless. 